Amen. I want to thank you all for being here today. Thank you for being faithful to the house of God. It's a special day. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Amen. Anybody know what that's about? Any of you ever experienced that before? It's more than just something you can read about in this Bible. And this Bible is more than just a book that you can get on any shelf. This Bible is the spoken, inspired Word of God that speaks life and truth. Amen. It gets down into your heart. It gets down into your blood. Amen. Amen. We're going to get into the Word of God this morning, if you would stand all over this house. Amen. I'm going to take you to a very familiar passage of Scripture. Two of them, actually. One of them we're going to be in the NLT, and that's the first one. It's Jeremiah 29 and 11. Then we're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Very good. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 in the NLT says, For I know... For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I know. I know the plans I have for you. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. How many of you are thankful for that? That He knows He's got a plan for you to give you a hope and a future. Amen? Book of Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 36. It says, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They were touched. They felt something. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Is there a plan? Is there something for me to do beyond this point? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, the removal of that debt. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. Say, it's for me. And to your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. The plan for every man. The plan for every man. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Lord, we love you so much. God, we thank you for your presence that we have felt in this place today. God, we celebrate this day, God, because this is the day, God, that you have saved us. God, this is the day, God, that you came back to us in a brand new way. 
God, we celebrate this day, God, because this is the day you have made. God, and we will rejoice today and we will be glad in it. God, I pray right now that you would anoint these lips of clay. God, I pray that you would move in this place today like only you can. God, and that you would touch each and every heart in this place. God, and remind us today, God, and tell us today that you have a plan and a purpose for our life. In the wonderful, precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated today. The plan for every man. There is a plan for every man. Every human being God created with a divine destiny. He said that he was not willing that any should perish. His plan came with a plan of salvation, a plan of redemption. But unfortunately, there are some factors that sometimes interfere with his plan. It does not change his plan. It does not change his ways. But sometimes there's this factor that gets involved in the work of God and can sometimes cause a lot of heartache and confusion. This factor is called humanity. You know what it takes to make something turn out really bad? You know what it takes to ruin a really good day? People. It just takes somebody to come in right when you're feeling chipper and you've, you've got the joy of the Holy Ghost and everything's going good and they got to come in and tell you, hey, I, I hate to tell you this, but and they give you the worst news you could have ever heard and it just ruins your day. People have a way of getting in and messing things up and people have a way of causing confusion and people have a way of just getting you to scratch your head sometimes and thinking, I know God doesn't make mistakes, but my goodness, they're a little off there. You drive on the interstate for about five minutes and you will see all kinds of crazy people out there and you might be one of them. (laughs) Humanity, it's an interesting thing. People sometimes get in the way of what God wants to do. Give people just a few days in your circle and something can go wrong and they'll have you angry and bitter by the end of it. People can take something so awesome and so grand and we can ruin it in just a matter of moments. We have a phrase that we call raining on our parade. It seems like life is just wonderful and everything's peachy and all of a sudden somebody comes and they rain on our parade. They ruin the whole thing. They turn the whole thing into something that was not even enjoyable by the end of it. I can't even enjoy a moment because people are stirring up trouble. And I feel like when there's one sign of good news, there's five more that are bad that follow. Well, you say, well, you know, I've been there. I know what you're talking about. I know what it's like when you feel great and somebody rains on your parade. I've come to tell you this morning, this is no new thing. From the book of beginnings in Genesis, God created this beautiful paradise. And everything was just perfect. Everything was wonderful. And everything that was there, in fact, God looked down on it and he said, this is good. This is good. In fact, even when he had made these people we call humans, these people, this man named Adam and later this woman named Eve, God looked at them and he said, now this. This is very good. It's funny to me that the thing that's very good is the thing that causes a lot of headache. 
the fish don't really bother anybody. The birds are just doing their thing. But it's the people who came in and just, it was very good and just ruined everything for everybody. All the women are mad at Eve. All the men are mad at Adam. We're mad at both of them because they just ruined it for everybody. They rained on our parade. Everything was in its proper place. Everything was operating the way that God had intended it to. Until one day, people got involved. Something so great had now been stripped away because of man. It was when Eve took of that forbidden fruit, and as did Adam, and all this came crashing down, and we now call this the fall of man. And unfortunately, when you look around at our world today, it seems as we have been falling ever since. Though there have been moments where we feel a little encouraged and we feel like great things are happening, we still can't help but think of that day when Eve took that fruit. But we cannot be so naive to think that this was some surprise to God. To think that God did not already have a plan set in motion is very foolish on our part. Because if it had not been Adam and Eve, it would have been Cain and Abel. If it hadn't have been Cain and Abel, it would have been somebody else. He knew the day would come where he would have to redeem man. He knew that somehow the enemy would find a way to come in and stir up trouble. He knew that there was going to be that old serpent there and he was going to get in somebody's ear and cause confusion and cause a whole lot of headaches. God knew this because the Bible says in Revelations that he was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before he ever created anything, he knew there's going to come a day where I'm going to have to pay a price. There's going to come a day where I'm going to have to give my life on a cross and I'm going to have to live a sinless life so that I can die for all humanity. You see, God did not have a plan B when man messed up. It was always part of his plan. Redeeming man was what he always wanted to do. You see, for us, when plans change, we get a little bit uh, discouraged. When our, our plans change, we get frustrated and things didn't go the way that we planned. We get like the mice who come and say, well, who moved my cheese? It's not where it was the last time I came came to this spot. It, it, it used to be right here, and somebody moved it over here, and now I've got to go find it this way. And they get all frustrated because it's not where it was supposed to be. When something goes off schedule, people s- seem to freak out, and they don't know how to handle life. But God, God is not surprised. He's not having to call audibles. He's not trying to go back to the original game plan. And they say, well, back to the old drawing board. When that happened, God didn't say, oh, man, I didn't see this coming. I better come up with another plan. He already set his plan in motion. He already said, I know what's going to happen. And don't worry, I got you covered. Don't worry, I've got blood that's going to cover all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings. You just stick to the plan and know that I've got everything working out for your good to give you a hope and a future. He knows because he is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and ending. He is the first and the last. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He knows. He's got it all mapped out. You see, it's always meant for him to die. It was always meant to unravel the way that it did so that he and he alone could be our redeemer. 
He wanted to show his love to this earth. And how could he show his love to this earth if he was not willing to come down and place himself on a cross and die? How could he show his love if his plan was to create a paradise and not care that it was now falling to pieces? When Adam and Eve sinned, God was in a unique place. Because he loved Adam and Eve. He loved Adam and Eve. But he hated sin. He hated sin. And while Satan looked on the scene and thought he had God in a corner and thought, well, I've really got him in a pickle now because you see, he loves Adam and Eve. But now that they have sinned, he hates sin. So now he's going to have to make a decision. Now I've got him in a quarter where he's got to decide something. He's either got to love sin now because it's in Adam. Or he's going to have to hate the one that he loves. And God was sitting back and he said, oh, no, no, no. I've already got a plan for that. I know you think you've got me in a corner, but I've already got a plan for that. I already set this in motion a long time ago. And I've come to tell you today, you may feel like God's in a corner. And he's saying, oh, no, I've already got a plan for you. If you'll hold on just a little bit longer, you'll know everything is going to be all right. I know sin crept in. I know it got down into your heart, but don't worry. I have a plan for that. In the Old Testament, God's plan was to use animals as sacrifice. And they would take it to the temple. They would sacrifice the animal. There was bloodshed as a rolling ahead of your sins. You could never be freely forgiven. You could never freely feel that weight lifted off of you. You could only roll it ahead. Well, here we go until next time. Here we go until next year. This is good enough for then. But God said it's not always going to be that way. Because in the New Testament, that perfect, spotless lamb, he came down and he robed himself in flesh. And he took upon himself the form of a servant. And he became obedient even unto death. And he came to pay a debt, the debt of sin. He purchased each and every one of us with his blood. He was that plan. He was a living sacrifice. And scripture tells us, greater love hath no man. Than a man who was going to lay down his life for a friend. That is why he came. That is why he came to show the world he loved him. He couldn't have done it if he didn't die. Because he said greater love hath no man than a man willing to lay down his life for a friend. It baffles me to see people who follow other gods. Whose gods ask them to pay a price that they themselves are not willing to pay. Their leaders expect their men to lay down their lives for the sake of religion. But you would never find them doing the same. They send out men and tell them they need to strap bombs on themselves and go and destroy their own life to save somebody, to save their own soul so that they get to enjoy something on some other day. Not my God. My God came and He lived a sinless life. In all ways was tempted just as we are and He sinned not. He washed feet. He submitted to baptism. He prayed. He fasted. He suffered. He was beaten. He was persecuted. He was crucified and he was buried and he rose again. That is my God. He didn't ask me to do it. He didn't ask me to pay that great price. 
He didn't ask me to give my life. He said, I've got you covered. It's part of my plan. It's what I've come to do for humanity. It's what I've come to do to fix the problems that are in your world. I came to lay my life down so that you could be saved. And you can be saved. And every one of you and your children and all that are afar off, I came to do it for you. That is my God. He's not going to ask you to do anything that He hasn't already done Himself. He did all of that because He loves you. And while there was pain that must have struck all of His disciples that day when they saw Him breathe His last breath, even though He told them three days later He would rise again, there they saw their Master lifeless. They saw Him breathe His last breath and probably thought all hope was lost. But oh, the joy that must have come over them when the report came back, when the angel told them, the one you are looking for, he is not here. He is alive. The disciples were overjoyed to hear this news. And Jesus went and showed himself to them. And he gave them instructions. He gave them another step to the plan. He said, I want you to go and I want you to wait. I want you to tarry. That word tarry means just sit down and wait. Just hold on until it comes. He said, tarry and wait. Well, we don't like that. We like answers right now. We like fast food service when we come to God. We say, well, I asked for it. By the time I get from the pew to the altar, it better be there waiting on me. Or it's not going to happen. That's not what these people did. He said, I want you to go and wait. And I'm sure there were times where they were in that upper room and it was probably frustrating. We've been here for three days. Nothing's happened. We've been here for five days and still nothing's happened. But they waited. They tarried because they believed if he said it, it was going to happen. They had already seen too much. They just watched him rise again from the dead after being in the tomb for three days. Surely anything is possible. Surely he can do all things. So I'm going to stay and I'm just going to wait and I'm going to watch and see what unfolds in all of this. I'm going to see how it all plays out. These men stuck to the plan. Oh, and are they ever glad that they did. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. They all came together with one mind and that's we're waiting. We're waiting. We're going to all we're going to lock the doors. There's nobody getting out of here. We're going to stay in here until it happens. That's a lock in. That's the lock in I want to be a part of. You say we're not getting out of here until something happens. It might be tomorrow, it might be next week, it might be next month. I don't know when it's going to happen, but if he said to wait, then that's exactly what we're going to do. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all there together with their mind made up of what was going to happen. Amen. A mighty rushing wind began to fill that place. And it filled all of the house where they were sitting. Every inch, every square foot, it was all in there. You could just feel it. It was moving down each and every pew. It was walking into in beside individuals. That wind began to blow and breathe through their nostrils. Don't you know they thought, 
Oh, this is worth waiting for. I know it didn't happen when I thought it would, but this is worth waiting for. Oh, I'm glad I know God's plan. I'm glad that I followed God's plan. Oh, what it must have felt like for those that maybe thought it wasn't going to happen. And they heard that wind begin to blow. And they felt that presence that they have felt so many times before. And they said, oh, here he is, but this time it's in a brand new way. This time he's not here in flesh and bone. But this time he is breathing through here. Just like he did in Genesis when that spirit hovered. It is moving through this place right now. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it began to set upon each of them. And scripture tells us. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Not one was left sitting there wanting. Not one was sitting there saying, well, why isn't it happening for me? Not one was there saying, well, I wish it would come and and touch my life. It happened to each and every one of them because they were following the plan. Because they had gotten a hold of what God had said. And they said, I'm not leaving until it happens in me. I'm not walking out of these doors until I'm speaking in tongues. And you know what? When churches come together with a made up mind, that's the things that can happen. You say, well, I'm thankful we have one or two get the Holy Ghost. And God said, I am too. Heaven rejoices over one sinner saved, the 99 that need no repentance. But I've come to tell you it is still possible for 120 or 200 or however many you've got to be saved. And the Spirit to move in a church service and fill all the house where they were sitting. And pour itself out upon each and every individual, upon every adult, every man, every woman, every child, every sinner, every saint. The Spirit of God can come and it can fill your life. Amen. There are instructions and a method. You don't get to just live this life however you want and then hope that someday you get some grand prize at the end. There are plans that are given to builders. They call them blueprints. If the builder will stick to the plan, then what is on paper should translate into a physical representation of that plan. And so it is with God. He has given us a plan of salvation. And if we will stick to this book... And we will stick to what the words are written down in this book and we will apply it to our lives. And not on man's opinions, not on what our neighbor's telling us, not on our feelings, our emotions, but we stick to the plan that is written in this book. Then what is in this paper will also translate into a physical representation of that plan. When you begin to follow the plan of salvation, though you may not understand it all right now, but you're a willing vessel and you've got the faith that God can do it. And you say, okay, what does the plan say? And you begin to read what God says to your life and you apply it to your life. Your works will shine before men. What God has done in your life will be a testimony of what He's done. Some people knew you when you used to be somebody else and they'd never recognize you if they saw you today because of the grace of God, because of what God has done in your life, because God found you. He picked you up out of the miry clay and set you on a solid ground. That's what happens when you pick up the plan and you say, God, I want to apply it. God, I want to see it built. I want to see the plan you have for me come to life. Amen. It's exactly what happened in the book of Acts. God had given them a plan of salvation. He mapped it out and he told them what needed to be done, how it needed to happen. The Bible says that day, as many as would receive it, they got it. 
All you had to do was receive it. And you could have it. The plan, step one, was to wait. And we know by what he told Nicodemus. And we know by what he told Peter to tell those people what there followed. He said to wait. And they went to that upper room and wait. And it says there were about 120 of them in there. It says in that room, they began to pray. And they started to ask God, okay, God, we're here. We're waiting. How's it going to happen? I'll tell you how it's going to happen. You got to repent. You got to be baptized. And you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And when people on the outside begin to see what was going on on the inside, they begin to see people who used to be sinners, people who used to be their neighbor, and they know what they used to do. They said, well, I know him, and there's no way that's happening to him. Oh, yes, it is, because he followed the plan. And they were out there, and they said, well, well, I, I want it. I want what, the, what they have. And, and the people got together, and they were confused, and they were amazed, and they were saying, what is going on? What meaneth this? And Peter began to talk to them, and he began to prophesy and remind them of what the prophet Joel said. And when they, got, when they got all of this information and they found out that it was because Jesus died and he rose again and he did it to redeem men, they said, oh, well, well what must we do? We want what you've got. We saw the change it made in your life. We saw the way you were responding in worship in the church I go to. We don't do that. The, the places that I've been going, the parties I've been going to, it doesn't give us joy like that. I want to know what's going on inside of there. What must I do to feel what you feel, Peter? Then Peter said unto them, you've got to repent. You've got to turn away from those things that you're doing in your life and walk away from that sin and walk toward the holy God. You've got to be baptized in Jesus' name for the washing away, for the removal of those sins, the removal of that debt you owe, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. God's going to pour His Spirit inside of you. You're going to begin to speak words that you don't even know. That's the plan. That's what God wants to do. This plan is for you to take to your children. This plan is for you to take to all that are afar off. This plan, it worked for us, so I know it can work for you. Peter was saying, I, I rejected him. I, I rejected him, and yet he still loved me, and he still filled me. And I know if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. You see, when the product delivers on its promises... People will buy into that product. You want to know why people are still hungry for God and they're still hungry for truth? Because their methods are not moving any mountains. The gods that they're calling out to are not doing anything for them. They're like Jonah and the people that were there on, their, on the ship with him. And they, they called out to their gods. But nothing changed in the storm. Nothing changed in their situation because their gods were going to fail them. Just like Elijah and the prophets of Baal, Elijah came unto the people and he said, How long will you halt between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow Him. But if Baal, then follow Him. And so he told them what to do. He said, I want you to go and we're going to get two altars here. And, and I want you to put your sacrifice there and I want you to call out to Baal. If he sends fire, then we'll all say that he's God. But if not, it's my turn. If not, I get an opportunity. And those men of Baal that were about 450 people began to do what it was said. They cut up the sacrifice. They laid it on the altar. And they, Baal, 
Baal, would you come and consume our sacrifice? We want people to know that you're a God. We want people to know that you're real and that you're alive. And Baal, can you hear me? And Scripture tells us that from morning until noon they cried and nothing happened. There's a lot of people crying out to gods that do nothing for them. They're calling out to drugs and addictions that do nothing for them. Would you help me in my situation? Would you help ease the pain? Would you help make my life better and nothing is happening? No results are coming from it. And they're sitting there all day long frustrated. And finally when they begin to see Elijah making fun of them, laughing because they were calling out to their God and nothing was happening. They got up on the altar and they began jumping. Baal, Baal, can you hear us, Baal? They began cutting their bodies and pouring out their own blood, hoping that Baal would do something and Baal would respond. And people are doing that today. They're trying to get a reaction out of worldly things. They're trying to get something to pay them attention. And nothing is happening. No, no fires falling. They're not feeling a change. Nothing different is happening The Bible says when evening came, Elijah said, all right, now it's my turn. And I'm not going to leave room for any excuse. I'm going to prove today who is God. I'm going to show everybody today who is God, not by my own ability, but it's through him. He took that altar and he began to repair it and restore it. He began to make things right and align things in his life. That's what repentance does for you. It will repair altars. It will get some things back in order in your life that maybe had fallen away by the wayside. And he begins to repair it and then he sets the wood there and he sets the sacrifice there. And he says, all right, I'm not leaving any excuses. Because right now you could say, well, the sun just hit that dry piece of grass right there just right and it caught fire and it consumed the sacrifice. He said, we're not doing that. And besides, anybody knows water's got to be involved. So he goes and gets four water pots and they pour it out three times. They soaked the sacrifice. They soaked the altar. They poured it around the altar. He said, all right, it's all soaking wet. Now let's see what happens. God, oh God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, oh God, would you come down and show these people that you are God? And just like that, God came down. The Bible says the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice. And I want to tell you today I found something awesome about this. We come to God and we have this plan of what we're going to offer Him. And we say, well, God, I'm going to give you this sacrifice. I'm going to give you my best. But when the fire comes down, it's willing to take everything you've got. It's willing to take the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Bible says the fire of the Lord fell. It consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was there in the trench. When you call out to God and you give Him what you've got, He said, I'm coming to take all of it. I'm coming to take the addiction. I'm coming to take the heartache. I'm coming to take the frustration. I'm coming to take your praise. I'm coming to take your worship. I'm taking it all. I'm going to show all of these people who is God today. I'm going to let them know something that is so great that's going to cause them to come up and say, What must I do to serve that God? What must I do to be saved? I want to know. I've got to have it. I've got to have it. He 
And you know what happened? The people saw it and they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, the Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Singular, the God. There is none beside Him. Those that were just looking there that day at that one man who came and called upon God and God came down. They got the revelation. They got the plan. They understood what happened. But there are people out there. Their product isn't bringing them provision. They call out to their gods and nothing changes. But there is a God who hears. You know what I do when something isn't working for me? And I've done everything it tells me to do. And I still wake up in the morning with a hangover. And I still wake up in the morning frustrated. And I still wake up in the morning without any friends. I throw it away. I get rid of it because it's not giving me results. But you want to know what I do when I get a hold of something that is real. And it gives me everything that it promised. And it's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And it fights all of my battles for me. I tell others about it. I enjoy it. And I use it. That is what these disciples and believers did. They started telling everyone about the plan. And the Bible says in the same day there were added about 3,000 souls in one day. We would be happy if we got 3,000 souls in five years. They saw 3,000 saved in one day. Why? Because they had tapped into the power of that plan. They had followed the steps and the plan did not disappoint. Everyone was wanting in on that. That's how it ought to be around here when people come in and they walk into this house. The Spirit of God ought to be so strong in this place. Every time they come in, there ought to be a group of people that are bound together in one mind and one accord. That when others start seeing what's happening in here, they say, I, I want to know what, what it takes to be a part of that. I want to know why they've got... Sm Every one of them are smiling. Every one of them are laughing in the Holy Ghost. Every one of them seem like life is just wonderful. Oh, sure, they've got trials and they've got tribulations and they've got headaches and heartaches. But God has done something through them and God has brought them a mighty long way. God brought them from who they used to be to where they are today. And they're, He's still working on me. He's still got His hand on my life. He's still trying to do something in me and I'm going to let Him because it's part of His plan. Everybody was wanting it. Others started asking questions. Others wanted to know what they had to do to get in on this Holy Ghost. You say, well, that was then and it, it doesn't take all of that now. There's a preacher out right now and he's posting his video all over the internet and he's trying to share it with everybody. And I saw some preachers that had gotten a hold of it and sharing it. And this man is talking about how it's not needed to speak in tongues. And the Bible tells me that that was a sign so that you know what was taking place inside of you. And it was a sign for all of those around you to know that you were just filled with the Spirit. You say, well, that's kind of weird to me to start speaking in tongues. It is strange. It caused them to be amazed and in wonder, saying, what meaneth this? What, what's going on here? They were confused, too. But if you just kept praying the same words in your English language, or if you speak Spanish or French or whatever else you may speak, you know how to say those words. 
And if you just feel a little goosebumps and you feel like God touched you and you feel good, that's great and that's wonderful and that's needed. But the only way you're going to know is when you lose control of this tongue and you begin to speak a language you don't know. Nobody taught it to you in your high school. You didn't take any college courses on how to say these words. But in the middle of you praying, God gets a hold of that tongue and he says, All right, I've got it from here. This is part of my plan. I know it may not make sense to you, but I want to speak through you. I want you to begin to speak in a language you don't know. And you're standing there and you're praying, lifting your hands. And the Spirit of God begins to move through you. And you start saying words you don't know. I want you to watch the people who receive the Holy Ghost when it hits them. Their whole face changes. Their whole demeanor changes. It's, whoa, I don't know this language. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know the words that are coming out of my mouth. There is something different about this. This is real. This is real. This is what the plan was saying. This is what Peter was preaching about. This is what he told him. This was the cloven tongues of fire that set upon each of them. These people who say that was the plan then and not now haven't read the word of God because my Bible tells me Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It tells me that with whom is no variable is neither shadow of turning. It tells me and also the glory of Israel will not lie nor change his mind. For he is not a man that he should lie or change his mind. He said, for I, the Lord, do not change. What happened to the truth, you ask? Why don't they preach it that way down the road? Why don't they teach it that Why didn't my family tell me this? Why, why, why have we never heard of this? Once again, man got in the way. Men started preaching false doctrine. Men started telling their family and their home that it doesn't take all of that. And, and it would be okay if we let go of this. And it will be okay if we let go of that. And men let others get in their ears. And men, men got in the way. Men scratched out God's plans and they made some adjustments to fit the way they want to live their life. Men took Holy Scripture and twisted it to their advantage. That is why you don't have one religion today, but you have hundreds of religions. That's why brother can't get along with brother because there's so many different beliefs and opinions. And if we don't agree, then I'm sorry we can't be friends. We can't, we can't do this. But the good news today is God isn't asking you for a religion. He's asking you for a relationship with Him. He's not asking what nationality you are. He's not asking what race you are. He's not asking what gender you are. Our word says that He is no respecter of person. He said this is for the Jew first and then to the Greek. This is for everybody. He said it is to you and to your children and to all that are afar off. This is for everybody. You say, you don't understand, preacher, I'm a dirty, no good sinner. Well, good, that's his favorite. That's the one he can reach down because those are the ones that are hurting. Those are the ones that are broken. They feel busted. And God said, it's all right, I can put you back together. I can take your wrongs and make it right. That makes you a prime candidate for his grace. When you say, I don't deserve it, I I don't deserve God, I don't deserve his love. Well, grace is unmerited favor. Grace says, I know you don't deserve it, but I'm giving it to you anyways. Grace says, I know you've made some mistakes, but I forgive you anyways. It's part of my plan. Leave it to the men to come and mess something good up that God had going. But again, his plan was already spoken. His plan was already established. 
And though some along the way twisted that plan to fit their lives, in 1901 in a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, Charles Parham encouraged some students to pray because he had gotten in this word and he turned to the book of Acts. You know, his pastor pulled some scriptures from different places. People who spoke into his life pulled scriptures from different places and told him it was different than it was. But he opened his Bible to the book of Acts and he began to see something that he had never saw before. God began to show his plan to Charles Parham. God began to reveal his plan once again to a man and say, hey, there's more to this. There's more to this life than you're currently living. And it was Charles Parham who encouraged his students there. He said, I want you to get in the word and I want you to begin praying that God would show you something. Because I've looked in Acts 2 and there's some other stuff there. It was January of 1901. He was baptized with the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. And from there he began to go through trials and tribulations. Nevertheless, he rose above the depressing circumstances and his message of Pentecostal baptism gained more momentum and acceptance. Then just a few years later, a revival broke out just a few miles away from here in Alvin, Texas. In 1905, Charles Parham came and opened up another Bible school. And in that Bible school was William J. Seymour. He was a key role in Azusa Street Revival where God began to use him to preach the gospel and to tell others what God had been doing in the lives of those who asked. They all noticed there was more to the Bible that people had been telling them. Charles Parham knew there was something missing when he discovered it. Pentecost took off from there and it began to spread all over the United States. And from there it has spread all over the world. In this building today, there are people here who they too saw this plan. Who God too revealed these scriptures to them and it opened their eyes and they saw it for themselves. That God began to open their eyes and they saw it in scripture. This is what it takes. I promise you if you'd spend some time talking to different people in here asking their testimony. Not all of them were raised in church. Not all of them grew up sitting on a pew from a child. There's some in here that they, they were lost in a dying world and God revealed it to them. And to hear their testimonies is an awesome, awesome thing. It's no wonder the Bible says we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Because when you hear what God brought somebody else from, it says, oh, if He can do it for them, He can do it for me. If God did it for that one, then He can do it for me. And something begins to take place. There was people in here who maybe they didn't see it, but maybe their mama or their daddy saw it. Maybe their grandparents saw it and they found God. Maybe they found Him in an old schoolhouse. Maybe they found Him in a church building. Maybe they found Him in a prayer closet. But they found God and they noticed in this plan what it took. And they too received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Did they have trials? Sure they did. And they still do. But they've got it. But they've got it. We used to sing a song that says, I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. There's something about the power of the Holy Ghost. I can't explain it. But I've got it. You know that's how they felt that day in that upper room. They must have been singing that in their mind. I've got it. I've got it. I can't explain it, but I've got it. I can't explain it, but I've got it. I feel it. Is there anyone here this morning who remembers what that felt like? 
when Jesus found you, when you were lost and you were dying and he reached down and picked you up? Do you remember where you were at when he found you and he said, I've got grace for you. I've come to take everything you've got to offer. Let's stand all over this house and give God praise this morning. Oh, I'll testify this morning. I'll testify of that plan. It worked for me. It worked for my mama. It worked for my daddy. It worked for my grandparents. If it's good for Paul and Silas, it's good enough for me. Oh, God, I want it today. God, we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost in this house. Woo! Hallelujah, Jesus. You can remain standing. We remember what it's like when we felt like no one cared, when we felt like we were hopeless, like we didn't know what to do. And then someone introduced us to Jesus. Someone introduced us to this word. If you are here today and you feel like you are out, you're on the field and the battlefield and you have no idea what the strategy is, you have no idea what's going on, you're just wondering, is there even a plan? You don't know what you're supposed to be doing with your life, and that's okay. You're not alone. I've come to remind you today, or perhaps tell you if you've never heard it before, God has a plan for every man. He has a way out for everyone who is in bondage. He has healing for everyone that is hurting. He purchased you with His blood. He made a way. Don't feel silly because you don't know it. John told us there was a ruler of the Jews. If anybody ought to have known it, it should have been Nicodemus. He was a ruler, but he didn't know. And he came and he said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher that's come from God. For nobody can do what you're doing except God be with him. He didn't ask a question. He made a statement. But God knew there was a question in his heart that, what must I do to be saved? Because the Bible says Jesus answered. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a little bit confused, but still that question was in his heart. Stuff wasn't really making much sense. And he said, well, how can a man be born again when he is old? Can a grown man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, oh, no. This time you're going to be born of water and of spirit. Of water and of spirit. This time it's going to be a little bit different, Nicodemus. The wind's going to blow where it listeth. Thou hearest the sound thereof. You can't tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. He said, Nicodemus, you know a lot of things, but there's a question in your heart this morning. You're wanting to know what you've got to do to be saved. And God said, it's all in my plans. It's all right here in this word. It's okay that your life didn't go as you planned. He's got another plan. He still has a plan for your life. And he said, I know the plans that I have for you. You say, well, I feel so lost right now. That's okay. You're still here this morning. 
This is for every person in this building. Just like that day many years ago, it was for everyone. If you've received it before, you need to be filled again today. Or you say, preacher, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost with the speaking of tongues. I, I feel like I have them in my heart, but I just... God doesn't want you walking around questioning whether you've got it or not. He wants you to know. And you know when you start speaking a language you've never spoken before, hey, there's something going on inside of here. This message here today is for people who are walking around just wondering, is there a plan? Is there a method to all of this? Is there a reason for all of this? God's saying, I'm inviting you to an altar today. June 4th, 2017, I've set up an appointment for you today, and it's part of my plan. I want to see you filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. I invite every person to this altar this morning, whether you feel like you're worthy or not, none of us are worthy. But God's called us today, and He said, it's part of my plan today to see you filled with my Spirit. It's part of my plan to ensure that you are saved. It's part of my plan that you are here today. It's not accident. It's not just because somebody invited you. It's not just because you decided to come and sit with your family. You are here today by divine appointment. I want you to come to this altar. If you want to kneel and pray, that's fine. If you want to lift your hands to heaven, that's all right too. Just begin to say, God, I want your plan for my life. Oh, reveal it to me today.